Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Vince. And I'm Ashley. And we are the lead pastors of the Outlet Community Church. And wherever you are in the world, our heart is to add value to your life. That's right. Whether it's an encouraging word, whether it's a topic in the Bible, whether it's a life skill that you're looking to develop and hone in on, allow us to be an outlet for you. Yes, and our prayer is that wherever you are, whether you're right here in service or you're out in the world in the nation, listen, our prayer is that God meets you right where you are. We all have needs, we all have things, but our God is able and he's able to bless you and get you where you need to be. We have hundreds of hours of digital content that is available for you to consume yes. free of charge. Freely we receive, freely we want to give <laughs> it back to you. So make it a point to check out our page, check out our website at the yeah. Outlet Community. Dot com and you'll be able to find countless hours of videos, podcasts, and other material to help you grow in your walk with God. Hey, if you like some of the content, like, subscribe, share it, and we'd love that. <laughs> See your family and friends. So open up your heart and get ready to receive all that God has for you. He took 12 stones, one to represent each of the tribes of Israel, and he used the stones to rebuild the altar in the name of the Lord. This week, in my time of prayer, I just heard these three words that are simply the title of today's message, and that is, repair the altar. Repair the altar. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you, Lord, for your illumination in your text, in your scripture. In our time together, help us to lean into you, lean into your word, lean into your promise. The same way you delivered this message to my heart, please, Allow me to be a yielded vessel to deliver it to your people. And we thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Everyone says and types in, amen, amen. Here in the city of Atlanta, in the next week or so, uh, the Martin Luther King residence will be temporarily shut down for extensive routine repairs and maintenance. And the purpose of it is to maintain the integrity of the structure. The MLK residence was built in the late 1800s and has since been open and now is a national tourist site where people can come in and be able to have a, a way to kind of relive history and, and people travel from all around the world to go to that particular site. But in just good, regular maintenance principles, it's an accepted practice that every so often Things need to be slowed down and shut down 
so that they can be repaired and restored for future use. In 1 Kings chapter 18 and verse 30 in our opening text, we see Elijah repairing the altar that was destroyed. He was not only repairing the altar that was destroyed, he was rebuilding the altar that was destroyed. And to back up to give you all some background and context to 1 Kings 18 and 30, we start at the very top of this chapter in verses 1 and 2. And in verse 1 and 2, what we will discover is that there was an intense drought that produced a famine in the land. The drought lasted for three years. And so if nature is not moving or th the, the necessary circumstances surrounding livelihood is completely non-existent, it will produce a famine where there is no crop, where there is very uh, a scarce amount of food. And what that does is that sends people from a place of flourishing to a place of survival. And in our life, we live in a fallen world meaning that there are various seasons that no matter what your level of spiritual growth and development is or is not, you are going to have seasons of summer, you are going to have seasons of fall, you are going to have seasons of winter, and you are going to have seasons of spring. You will even have seasons in your life where nothing seems to work like it used to. And in those seasons of drought, they then lead to famine or your resources not being like they used to. Or as we like to say, my money look a little funny. But what happens in seasons of famine is that we begin to adopt behaviors that do not reflect the original intent for how we began. A person in survival will do things desperately, and that doesn't always lead to doing things logically. Often we praise God for getting us out of a tough season and out of a tough time and out of a tough stretch, but we also need to take a moment to evaluate what did that tough stretch do to me internally? What are the convictions and the values and the principles that I used to live by that because of what I went through, I let go and I haven't gotten back to that? I believe the Lord is calling us to repair the altars of our life. He's calling us to slow down and take inventory at our spiritual condition and see where we have deconstructed godly principles and placed self-saving mechanisms in its place. The bottom line question is, how much of our life in tough times have we taken into our own hands and have yet to surrender back to God? And what was happening and the reason for the drought Elijah, I'm just going to give you all the SparkNotes version uh, because I am going to attempt to stay timely today. That is an act of God. Some of y'all were praying out there. 
But the Spartanos version of 1 Kings chapter 18, I encourage you to read and take time with this chapter, is that they were blaming Elijah for the drought. The drought came because the people were disobedient. The man of God was just a mouthpiece for God, and simply God told them this is the prescribed way to go. And man, like we typically do, we went the complete opposite way, which introduced God's judgment. Often God's judgment is not him condemning you to hell, but allowing you to experience the consequences of your own choices. Sometimes we think we can just live off of mercy all day long and thank God for his mercies that are new every single morning. But a good father and a good parent and a good God that we serve are sometimes going to let you bump your head from decisions that you made that he told you not to make. And sometimes when we are experiencing the consequences of our own choices and we seem to not get out of them fast enough, we have the nerve to blame God for how dare you allow me to stay here as long as I am. When all the while, it goes back to what did I deconstruct that was of the word and what did I put in its place? But what I want us to notice is with Elijah, he was also in the same world and the same region that the drought was taking place for the three years. But Elijah didn't have the same experience as everyone else. Because a drought is a natural part of life. There are going to be tough times that you face. There are going to be challenges that do come your way. But I am so grateful to God that just because a weapon is formed doesn't mean that a weapon has to prosper. So what Elijah shows us is that just because there's a drought, just because people say inflation's at an all-time high, just because people say businesses are drying up, just because people say your field is, is not doing what it needs to do, just because there is a drought somewhere in the world doesn't mean that I have to experience the famine. Y'all didn't catch that one. Just because. There's a drought. I, 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 I listen to the news like everybody else. I read newspapers just like everybody else. I study trends just like everybody else. But just because it's happening in the world doesn't mean it needs to happen to me. Maybe somebody will take a stand for your family and your life and say the same thing. Just because the world is going through and just because they're having a hard time and things are receding doesn't mean that I have to recede and I have to have a hard time. The news is not my prophet. The news is not my God. They are giving me an outline for what the Word says, greater is He that is in me than he that is in the world. So Elijah gives us a way as to how we need to live our life to stay above the drought that's in the land. I, I, I just need to let somebody know that things in our world are changing rapidly. Let me just be honest with you right now. We are not going to be some church that puts our head in the sand and act like things ain't happening when they're happening. Yes, 
things are happening. But we have been teaching for the last 10 weeks that we are led by the Spirit of God, and God leads us into all truth. He lets us know things that are going to happen before they happen, which means that we have inside information, that we have the mind of God who leads us and tells us what to do and where to invest and where to, to do whatever it is that we need to do in order to not experience was in the world. But as long as your altar is built with worldly mechanisms and trying to do things in your own strength, you're going to experience life in your own way. But when you say, God, not my will, but thine be done, if God sent you somewhere, then he's got provision for where he sent you. And it's really comforting to know that I don't have to experience what everybody else experiences if I continue to let God be God in my life. 1 Kings 18 and 7, we pick up now in verse 7, 1 Kings 18. And so leading up to verse 7, King Ahab, he said, food is getting scarce. I care more about my army than I care about the people so I need you to go find food for my horses. So Obadiah, being an obedient man who was of authority, under authority, he was walking along trying to go find food for the horses. And he bumps into Elijah. And he saw Elijah coming toward him, and Obadiah recognized him and bowed low to the ground before him. And Obadiah said, is this really you, my Lord Elijah? He asked in verse 8, Elijah says, yes, it is. Now go and tell your master, Elijah is here. At first, when I read this, I thought that Elijah was doing his best Muhammad Ali impression. The champ is here. That's not what he was saying. <laughs> Elijah in Hebrew is pronounced Eliyahu, Eliyahu. And that name Elijah or Eliyahu means my God is Yahweh. So if you can imagine, Obadiah, when you are championed with saving the army of a people and the resources are running out, you need to put yourself in Obadiah's place. He is frantic. He is concerned. During that time, if you did not please the king, your life was on the line on top of all the other pressures of not having all the resources that you need when you need them. So Obadiah, when he talks to Elijah and he hears this phrase, Elijah is here, what Elijah was pronouncing to him is that I know that there has been a drought for the last three years, I know that you are searching for all of the resources that you need. I know that you've been given a task. I know what I'm saying is tough. But one thing that I want to share with you that is going to comfort your heart is that my God is Yahweh and my God is here. So no matter what you face, no matter what drought, no matter what pressure that comes against you, you have to remind yourself that the Lord is right here with me, facing this with me to go through it together. That your mind can sometimes wander, and it can race, and it can, it can keep you up all night. The way that you calm all of that down is by saying, my Lord is here. God is here. He is with you. He is in you. 
But without realizing that God is right here with you, you will make makeshift altars. And you will make makeshift altars in the place the Lord's altar is supposed to be. So that means you replace God for your own God. The Old Testament likes to call it idolatry. We like to call it just doing me. So I literally have been sent today to ask you, I want you to be honest with your life because I had some areas in mind that got real, real. What place in our life have we replaced God for our own way? And any area that you've replaced God for your own way is a makeshift altar. First Kings 18 and 18. Let's get some more context to this. It says, I have made no trouble for Israel, Elijah said. You and your family are the troublemakers. He's talking to King Ahab because you refuse to obey the commands of the Lord and have worshipped the images of Baal instead. This gets real real right here. Because I have some areas in my life the Lord told me to obey and I just haven't. In that area, I am disobeying the commands of the Lord. And the longer I disobey the commands of the Lord is the more I'm going to experience famine in that area. The next part, worship images of Baal. Baal was a storm, the storm god. So if you have a drought... You would think it's just common sense to believe in a God who's over the storms. And so maybe if we please the storm God, then the storm God will come through and allow rain to fall upon the land. Three years went by believing and worshiping a God who could do nothing for them because he was made out of man's interpretation of what they needed and not God's prescribed way of what they needed. This gets real, real for us. How many false images do we have set up that we've been doing our own way in our marriage, in our finances, with our physical bodies? And it's not producing what we need. And we keep going back to it, hoping that this time will be different. And it's more of the same. Verse 20, so Ahab summoned all the people of Israel and the prophets to mock Carmel. Then Elijah stood in front of them saying, how much longer will you waver, hobbling between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal or your way is God, then follow him. But the people were completely silent. 
His statement helped them to determine, how do I have a makeshift altar in my life? Well, the way you can tell is that you're hobbling between two opinions, or you have divided loyalties. James 1 and 8 says, a double-minded person is unstable in all of their ways. Before verse 8 in James chapter 1, it says, if you need wisdom, ask. And God gives his wisdom freely. This Hebrew word means uh, sepium, which is hobbling, means to sit on the fence and not get in the game or be engaged due to an injury. You're on crutches. A society that rejects absolute truth will always have a divided loyalty. Truth is not relative. Truth is absolute, and we're living in this society where we want to make truth sound in a way that feels good to us. And you will always, I'm, a, I'm, I'm just going, let me just, let me just can, I, can I just talk for a second? Everybody who likes to be up in the wind on truth, their lives are just unstable. You need to be resolute in the truth of God's Word. Matthew 6 and 24 in the New King James says, No one can serve two masters. You got to choose. Either you hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. But you cannot serve God and mammon, which is money, possessions, fame, status, or whatever you value more in the Lord. Because wherever there's famine, are there anybody in here, like, can be honest, there's, there's some areas in your life that are in famine. They're not, they're not as lush as they need to be, and they're not thriving as they need to be. Wherever there is famine, there is an altar that is in need of repair. Let's keep reading in verse uh, 22, 1 Kings 18, verse 22. Then Elijah said to them, I am the only prophet of the Lord who is left, but Baal has 450 prophets. Now bring two bulls. The prophets of Baal may choose whichever one they wish to cut into pieces and lay it on the wood of the altar, but without setting fire to it. I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood on the altar, but not set fire to it. Then call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of Jehovah, Yahweh. The God who answers by setting fire to the wood is the true God, and all the people agreed. Verse 26, so they prepared one of the bulls and placed it on the altar. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning until noontime. That was a long prayer meeting. Oh, Baal, answer us. But there was no reply of any kind. Then they danced, hobbling around the altar that they had made. Verse 27. About noontime, Elijah began mocking them. So about four hours into this service, with no answer, he began mocking them. He said, you might have to shout a little louder. For surely he's a God, perhaps... Your God might be daydreaming. Perhaps 
Your God might be relieving himself on the toilet, or maybe he's away on a trip, or maybe he's asleep and someone needs to shout loud enough to wake up your God. Elijah is highlighting through sarcasm the futility of worshiping false gods and the futility of our own human efforts. You're staying up all night worrying about the next day and what's going to happen is going to change what? Nothing. You're saying, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Not in faith is going to help what? Beyond just vain prayers, They then went to verse 28, which I see a lot of times in in, in some circles. So they shouted louder and followed their normal custom. They cut themselves with knives and swords until blood gushed out. They raved all afternoon until the time of the evening sacrifice, but there was no sound, no reply, no response. People try to earn their blessing with the Lord. If I, if, I, if I just do this, then God will do that. If, I, if I'm on my good, I ain't cuss nobody out all hour. Like, I am being good. I know God's going to help me. I went to church, Lord. Didn't you see me there? Come on, I know that's for something. All of these behaviors, these self-efforts, don't change anything in our life. But what does? Verse 30. Because repairing the altar and keeping the right perspective boils down to one question. I'm going to give you the one question that helps you maintain faith through tough times. The question is, does God really answer my That's why we take matters to our own hands. We do not believe that God will actually do what his word said he would do. In verse 30, Elijah called to the people, come on over here. So now after they've done all that, they crowded around him as he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been torn down. He took 12 stones, one to represent each of the tribes of Israel, He used the stones to rebuild the altar in the name of the Lord. Then he dug a trench around the altar large enough to hold three gallons. And what this first symbolizes is when we're repairing the altar of our heart, number one, we need to take an assessment of our spiritual condition. Is our worship united? Do we have a heart of repentance and a renewed focus onto the promises and the covenant that God has made with us concerning his son, Jesus Christ. In Hebrews 8 and 6, it says, But now Jesus, our high priest, has been given a ministry that is far superior to the old priesthood, for he is the one who mediates for us far, a far better covenant with God based on better promises. When you spend time in prayer to assess where am I, prayer deconstructs 
false ideologies and rebuilds them with the anchor of the Word of God. So prayer helps you to deconstruct what you think is going on, and it reconstructs your ideas, your patterns, with the anchor of God's Word. Mark Twain said something similar to this. He said, it's, it's not what you don't know that gets you in trouble. It's what you think you know that ain't so that'll get you in trouble. How many assumptions do we have about God that aren't actually real in his word? Let's keep reading in verse 33. It says, he piled wood on the altar. He cut the bull into pieces, and he laid the pieces on the wood. Then he said, fill four large jars with water and pour the water over the offering and the wood. And they had done this. He said, do the same thing again. And when they were finished, he said, now do it a third time. So they did as he said, and the water ran around the altar and even filled the trench. What Elijah was trying to do, he was trying to, in front of the people, take away any speculation that when God comes through for them, that it was done by a mere fluke or by mere chance. He was stacking the odds against him and against all the naysayers who could have some type of excuse as to if God came through, they could ascribe it to, well, the conditions were dry. It was just, it was just hot. We've been shouting and yelling all day. The spark must have engulfed the sacrifice. What Elijah was saying is that even when it seems like the odds are stacked up against you, that is the best time for God to show his power in your life so that you can look back to others and people say, well, how did this happen for you? And how did that? I don't know. All I know is the power of God was at work. I don't know how he did it, but he made a way. It was symbolizing a total dependence on the power of God. Verse 36, at the time or at the usual time for offering this evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet walked up to the altar and prayed, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, prove today that you are God in Israel and that I'm your servant. Prove that I have done all this at your command. O Lord, answer me. Answer me so these people will know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have brought them back to yourself. Got a quick question. How long did it take me to read them two verses? Was it, was it under four hours? That was Elijah's whole prayer. His whole prayer was, Lord, I, I just want to thank you for who you are. I want to thank you for the character and the integrity that you've had, not only in my life, but in generations before. God, I want to also just put in remembrance who I am to you. In this new covenant, we're no longer servants, but we are sons and daughters of God. In essence, he was saying, God, I want to just take a moment. It was like a little testimony service, giving honor to God who's the head of my life. He said, God, I just want to thank you for all that you've done for me. I, I just want to look over my life and just say that you've been good and you've been faithful concerning your word, that you've treated me like a child of your own, better to me than I've been to my, it, it really was testimony. So he said, you've been better to me than I've been to myself. He said, God, I'm standing right here because you were the one who ordered my steps and called me to be right here. But God, I'm not praying for you to move just so I could be blessed. 
God, I'm praying for you to move in my life because the people who are impacted by you moving through my life. Come on, somebody. There are people connected to your obedience that are waiting on you to lean into the power of God so they can get hope to move on for the next day. God wants to show you his power so that when it's all said and done, people say that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's all Elijah was saying. He was showing us the effectiveness of spirit-led prayers. And as soon as all he said is, Father, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for your character. I thank you for loving me. I thank you for being here with me. I thank you that I am on assignment for you right now. God, I want my life to be a living epistle read among by all men so that they can see your power. The next word. In verse 38 of 1 Kings 18 is, so 1 Kings 18, 38. <laughs> when? 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 So you mean to tell me when? Things haven't been going right like I know they should have been going right, and it was out of my control, and I'm found in this area. The moment that I return to the place that God has put me, and I remind myself of his faithfulness concerning his word, and I'm here not for me to get blessed, but to bless others, that means how fast? Immediately. Immediately. So I just want to know today. I didn't come by 3039 Briarcliff Road, Northeast, Atlanta, Georgia, 30329, to find out how many of you out there have been feeling like there's been some famine in the land, and you're ready to rebuild and repair your altar. If that's you, if you could just join me real quick, because I just take the word at what it says, if you could join me on your feet real quick, if you're ready to repair your altar. If you're watching at home, I invite you to stand up if, you, if you're not driving. <laughs> Take an inventory right now of your spiritual condition. Be honest. Be honest with where you are. Be honest with what's going on. Be honest. And as you're honest with that spiritual condition of where you are, what areas have you replaced God for your way? And what I want you to do right now, similar to what Elijah did, I want you all to close your eyes. First and foremost, I want to invite any person in here 